0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It is great to see you. I hope you're doing well today. And, uh, man, why don't you just do this? I know it's a little cool outside, so maybe you need to warm up a little bit. So just why don't you look at your neighbor and go, just, you look hot. Just say that. Just, you look hot. Go ahead. It's okay. Some of you, you're really glad for that opportunity. I know. And then you need to respond with, I know. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. So it's good to see you guys. Um, man, yes, it was awkward, wasn't it? But it got you to laugh a little bit and wake up a little bit and kind of come out of the shell and all of that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's uh, if you have your Bibles on, turn with me to Jude uh, and the book of Jude, we're going to get in verse 5 through 15. We're, we're not going to read the whole passage in one setting. We're just going to walk through that and, uh, today. And, uh, but I, I want to, before I get into that, it's been one of those weeks for me. And so... I was debating on whether to share this or not to share. It's kind of funny, but it's kind of been like, ah. So my weeks are, I like, you got to understand this, I like busy. Like, I don't like to sit around. I'm just, I'm not wired like that. Now, I, when I'm sitting around, like, I'm completely vegged out. Like, all I did yesterday was watch college football. And, man, am I a Tennessee Volunteer fan because they beat Alabama. You know, I'm 4 my hogs and anybody who's playing Alabama. That's just kind of the way I am. And so anyhow, it was just a great day. So when I'm off, man, I'm off. Like I, I may not shower. You know what I'm saying? Possibly brush my teeth only if I think the food's going to taste better. It's just one of those deals. Yeah, I know. I'm your fearless leader. So anyhow, so, but during the week, usually I'm, I'm, I'm hopping and going. So last weekend, um, as soon as we were done with the weekend services, uh, I, I uh, left. And had a flight uh, to, uh, I serve on a, on a board for uh, a university in Springfield, Missouri, uh, Evangel University. And so I had some meetings. And, uh, and so I was looking at the planes that I was on. I, had, I flew through Chicago, which I avoid O'Hare like the plague, because you get stuck in O'Hare. And the dirty secret about living this close to O'Hare is they can put you on a bus Seriously, and you're not given anything for that, which is just not right on multiple levels. So anyhow, I don't have time to explain all that. But so so I'm, I'm, I'm going and I'm looking at the size of these planes. And man, it is like if it was a private jet, it would be awesome. But it's like you've got 100 people and it's, you know, it's just completely, it's like, it's like three economy seats across that's how wide it is and so these are the smallest overhead bins no problem I've got this bag that's supposed to fit in the overhead bin and so I don't like to check luggage especially right now things get lost things get whatever so I've got three nights I've got a dinner that I have to wear a jacket and a shirt for on Monday night uh, because former Attorney General John Ashcroft is going to be meeting with the board. And so I've got this dinner I've got to be ready for. I've got some board meetings. I've got some coffee meetings. I've got some dinner meetings. I've just got a lot of meetings and requiring a lot of And so I've got this small suitcase. So I am bent and determined. My wife is like, you're crazy. I said, I'm telling you, I can get it all in here. So I get it all in. It's great. I get to the airplane and, the, and the, the, the flight, the gate agent saying, you can't put that up there. I said, can I just try? Will you let me try? Have you ever had that moment like Ben Stiller, like meet the parents? Like, are you personally going to take my plane? Yeah, I, I had those moments. And so anyhow, so it fits. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I get to Chicago on time. My plane going from Chicago to Springfield is on time. Uh, the thing about, there are certain destinations, there are certain pe- places in the world that you just see people. Uh, you find in New York, you'll see people, typically celebrities, LAX, there's always somebody. There was a major star person, Hollywood person, that was behind me on a way, we were on an international flight, and they completely, they thought he had drugs, and so anyhow, they completely go after him. It was quite interesting and so anyhow so I just I like I'm fascinated with that but going to Springfield Missouri is one of those little places you never know who you're going to be sitting with or what's going on so as I'm on this plane and again this is a small plane there's three seats across one an aisle and two seats it's economy we're sitting on top of each other and this guy comes by, and I'm like, I think I know him. And I see two kids that looks familiar, and then I see this gal. And I'm like, that's Carrie Job. That's who that is. So I take a picture she goes by, which I know that's kind of like creeper, creeper, right? But I'm like, I'm sending it to Tammy to go, I think this is Carrie Job that's on my plane. And there's, it's just, I don't know why it is about Mrs. Springfield, but there's always somebody. so she goes, yes, why don't you go back there and invite her to do one of the 70 palms? I said, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I can't even move right now. Anyhow, so I get there, everything's great, man. I've got my luggage, it's all there, everything's on time. We actually get in early, but there's only one set of gate agents at Springfield, so we sit on the tarmac for 30 minutes. Another story, another day. And uh, anyhow, I get there, do everything, boom, 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 boom. I'm having a great week. I mean, this is just, everything's working, everything's happening. I am so proud of myself that I have put all of my my stuff without checking a bag. Like, I'm a master of my universe. Three nights, folks, I'm telling you, this is... Like, I've seen women's uh, uh, purses that are larger than this suitcase. And so I am not joking. And so anyhow, so I have all this stuff. And it's just like, my toiletries are, everything's, it's just awesome. So everything's great. I get actually, the the meetings are done early. I get, this has nothing to do with my sermon. I'm just like, you know, I'm just looking (laughs) at the time. But I just thought this would be a funny story to share. So anyhow, so um, I'm I'm getting ready to catch this flight back. I'm going through Dallas and I've got a two-hour layover. And I'm going to hit Concourse C. Well, Concourse C, there's a Papadose or a Papacitas. Now, if you know anything about Texas, Papadose, Papacitas, am I going to have dirty rice and like crawfish and etouffee? Or am I going to have like the biggest chimichanga or, or enchiladas, sour cream, chicken enchiladas? Oh, thank you. That will be the marriage supper of the lamb. I'm just telling you. So that's what I'm thinking about. So I'm getting onto this flight. Again, you never know who you're going to fly in with Springfield. There's a, a pro golfer that I have met before, and he actually is sitting next to me. So I don't know why, what, he's on his way to San Diego. He had been on an event at uh, this new Tiger Woods course in, in Branson. And so we're sitting there talking, hamming it up. And I'm just kind of like, life is great. I'm able to accomplish this thing with this suitcase. I'm so proud of myself. I, so we're done. Boom, man, hey, it's good to see you. good to talk to you. We took a picture, and then I was on my way. So I'm on my way and I'm going and 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 I and, and so if you know anything about Texas about Dallas DFW you have to go on these little trams and you're just kind of circling around. So I'm going and it's like three stops in the whole deal and all of a sudden I see these guys get onto the this little last little thing of the of the tram and I'm like, where is my where is my suitcase? <laughs> I have left it on the plane. I just don't do that. I travel enough that I don't do that. There's no, there's no tags on it. There's no anything on it. It's, it's just this black indiscriminate bag that I left on the plane. So I get, and I get, it's off the tram, get right back on, I've got three stops. Like, oh, can this go any faster? There's no way to go any faster. As soon as I hit there, I'm running. I'm the, I'm the guy, the big guy running through the airport, right? <laughs> Going through, and I get there. Thank God the plane hasn't left. They haven't started boarding the next flight. There's a few flight attendants that are coming off, and I say, Hey, guy's name is Alex. Hey, Alex, my bag I left, he said, you left a bag in the overhead bin and seat. I said, Yes, yes, that was me. Can I get that from him? He goes, I've already given it to baggage claim. No, 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 no. Alex, can you help me? Can you, can, can you, I mean, All these people are lined up getting ready to get on this next flight to wherever they're going. I don't even know. And I don't really care at that point because I want my bag because all I've been thinking about, am I going to Papacito's or Papado's? Papacito's or Papado's? So anyhow, am I having an anybody? So, so I'm sitting there, I'm just like, seriously, can, can you walk down there? Can I, I know I can't because it's the, and I, there was a moment where I thought, you know, they may tackle me, but I could get my bag back. No, sorry, we can't do the I almost have him convinced, right? It's kind of like Paul and King Agrippa. You almost does persuade me to follow Jesus. I almost got him, and I'm just, and so he's just like, no, what you need to do is just go out. What will happen is we'll come out on the conveyor belt, I have a two-hour layover, come out on the conveyor belt, So I go out to go out on the conveyor belt and, uh, and go out. So he says, I said, well, which way, because this is, there's two, he said, yeah, it doesn't matter. I happened to go to the wrong one. Let's go to the wrong one. She said, sir, you're gonna to have to walk outside the airport. It's 95 degrees, so 90 degrees in Dallas. And I'm, I'm in jeans, and so you're gonna to have to get down. And I'm thinking, I've got to run, I got, so I'm running down, I'm, I think I'm gonna have a heart attack. And so I get in there, and I just say, she, she already called me, there is none. And so it's just one of these, everything's pointing in other directions, right? So you can wait here for about an hour, see if it comes out, you'll have enough time to be able to get through, da da get your flight. And so never came out, don't see anything, there's nothing there talk to the people when you land in Milwaukee. So I have like this nasty deli sandwich that I bought from the convenience store inside the airport, right? And a bag of Cheetos. And I'm thinking I could have had Papacitos and Papados, but no, I decided to leave my bag on the plane. So, right? So anyhow, long story long, I have been calling every day trying to figure out what's going on, what's happening. Yesterday I was on hold for two hours with the airlines only to finally find out we have your bag. I thought it was just going to be gone. I told Tammy, matter of fact, I went and bought some other clothes to replace some things. I it's just, it's never coming back. Somebody's got it. Somebody's got this. Somebody's got that. I will see that shirt or that jacket somewhere. Somebody's wearing it and I will beat it off of them, but it's, (laughs) it's gone. It's just gone. So anyhow, so we have your back. That's the good news. Awesome. It's in Oklahoma City. Now, why would it go from Dallas to Oklahoma City? (laughs) I don't know. I didn't even ask that. So we should get a phone call this week. So if you have nothing else to pray for this week, just pray that that bag gets to Wisconsin somehow by the grace of God. Amen? That has absolutely nothing to do with anything that I'm going to preach about today. But I just thought it was a story I would share with you. This is a glimpse in the week of my life. So, Jude, know the truth. Jude chapter 5. Jude calls us not to blindly follow any voice that claims to preach the truth. Instead, he's speaking to you as a Christ follower. His audience is not ministers. His audience is not preachers. His audience is not seminary students. His audience are people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. He calls us to carefully examine the biblical truth and to expect those that preach God's word, those that are the pastors, leaders, ministers among us, to align with God's word. You can't expect that. You should expect that. Ministers and preachers, let me say this, are not perfect. There is only one who is perfect, and his name is Jesus. But every preacher of the gospel, every minister, every pastor, every missionary, whether it's kids pastor, associate pastor, youth pastor, worship pastor, senior pastor, teaching pastor, doesn't matter. You're a minister. You should expect them to preach and proclaim the truth and live by the truth of God's word. You should also expect them to live a life accordingly. And if they make mistakes and they sin, and they will. I will. There is none of us that are righteous, no, not one. Then you give grace. But the truth of the matter is we should expect this out of our leaders. But we should also examine it for ourselves. Three points I want to make today is I'm going to walk through Jude 5 through 15. Number one, sin is serious. So, we should seek godliness. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Sin is serious, so you should seek godliness. Sin is serious, so seek godliness. Let's look in verse 5, 6, and 7. He says this Now, I want to remind you that although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. Verse 6, and the angels did not stay within their power of their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. For he has kept in eternal chains under the gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Verse 7. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and surrounding cities, much which likewise indulge in sexual immorality, which is sex outside of a marriage covenant between a man and a woman, and pursued an unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Jude gives us three analogies from the Old Testament. He talks about the Egypt, the, the analogy of Egypt. And and the people, uh, the, the Israelites who were saved out of Egypt, he gives us the analogy of the rebellious angels, those that left with Lucifer, Satan, who rebelled against God in the heavens. And he also gives us the analogy of Sodom and Gomorrah, a people who completely went away from every natural desire and order that God gave. This repetition of three, anytime you see something three times in scripture, three words, there are three adjectives, three actions. It's, it's a repetition, three analogies, three examples. It's to always get your attention. It's to bold it or to highlight it. And here's what's being bolded or highlighted by what he's saying. They, they serve as an example to emphasize the point being made that disobedience always leads to destruction. Disobedience always leads to destruction. Now, again, we're talking about disobedience not to a man but to God's word. Let's make sure that's clear. This is not the church's ability to say, well, you should do what we say. No, no, no. It's what does God's word say. I want you to also look. Probably one of the most uh, harrowing, scary phrases is in verse 5. Although you once fully knew it. There was a time in your life that you served God. There was a time in your life that you didn't just give God lip service. There was a time in your life that you were red hot, passionate for Jesus but now you've kind of fallen away. There was a time in your life when God would say go and you would go. There was a time in your life when God would say stop and you would stop. There was a time in your life when you would give everything that you had, but now you no longer do that. That phrase, as I'm working on this message this week, is probably one of the most scary phrases because every one of us, if we're not careful can, that phrase can be true of our Christian experience. There was a time in my life when I loved Jesus. There was a time in my life when I really served God. There was a time in my life when I gave my all. There was a time in my life where I didn't miss a church service and, and, and I served and I gave and I went and I did. There was a time. The problem with it is there was, not there is. And the only person that can examine your own heart is you and the Holy Spirit. And if you invite the Holy Spirit to examine your heart and you say, Lord, is that me, that I once know these things, but now I don't live this way? Was I once red-hot passionate for you, and now those, those coals and that fire has kind of flamed out? Was there once a time when I was completely fully devoted? I'm a devoted follower, but there was just that word fully to truly describe it. There was this all-in, there was this, this is who I am. See, the, the, the reality is, is that we've got to realize that sin is serious. So we should do what? Seek godliness. We should gauge our own hearts. We should stop and ask ourselves the question and, and ask the Lord to search our hearts. A Christian professor, A.J. Gossip, said it this way about godliness. You will not stroll into godliness with your hands in your pocket, shoving the door open by a careless shoulder. There is no hobby For one's leisure moments, taking up at intervals when we have nothing much to do and put down and forgotten, when our life grows full and interesting. It takes all of one's strength, all of one's heart, all of one's mind, all of one's soul, given freely and recklessly without restraint in order to seek godliness in your life. This is a full contact sport. Second statement that he makes is that false teaching is dangerous, so seek the truth. Take you notes, write that down. False teaching is dangerous, so seek the truth. False teaching is dangerous. Seek the truth. Look at verses 8 through 13. Yet in like manner, these people, also relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Verse 10. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they destroy all by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them. For they walk in the way of Cain. They abandon themselves in the sake to to gain Balaam's error. They are perished in Korah's rebellion. These are these are hidden reefs at your love feast. They feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves. Waterless clouds swept along by winds. Fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead and uprooted. Verse thirteen. Wild waves of seas casting up the foam from their own shame. Wandering stars for whom the gloom of the utter darkness has been reserved forever. He's not talking about people outside the church. He's talking about people who are apostate inside the church. He's speaking about false teachers and false preachers and people that basically have taken a pair of scissors to God's word and said, I don't believe this, let's cut that out. I don't like that, let's cut this out. That's not really what they mean, let's cut this out. They really don't have to have this, let's just take this. That's exactly what he's dealing with. And he gives us the characteristics of false teachers. It's not going to be on the screen, but if you want to walk through, I'll just share with you what these characteristics are. Verse 8 says that they're careless. Use the word dreamers. These people are careless. They're they're, they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. They're they're not standing before you preaching God's word with a certain amount of heft and weight uh, and discernment that says, I'm going to stand before God for what I say. They're just careless in their actions. Verse 8 says that they defile the flesh, so the second characteristics of a false teacher is that they're immoral. They lack morality in their own life. They lack morality in their own teaching. Again, I'm just telling you, if I were sitting where you were sitting and I were going to a church that all it was is christianity liked, what am I doing with my time? I probably would try to take my chances with hell on my own than go to that because the truth of the matter is it's just a glorified country club if we're not going back to what God's word says if there are not times in church where you go ouch that hurts or wow I need to ask God about that or Holy Spirit get a hold of me if there are not times where you get up from your seat and you find a place to pray and you repent of your sin what are you doing because none of us are perfect, myself included. None of us have it all together, myself included. But but false teachers that just tell you what you want to te- hear—they're immoral. So they don't preach against morality. They don't preach for morality. They don't preach against immorality. They don't preach against sin and sexual sins and deviancies. No, 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 no. Because they're living in it. Ooh, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Uh, verse eight: They reject authority. They're rebellious. Beware of people that they may be people of authority, but they're not under authority. Who do they answer to? I can tell you at Life Church, there is a board that can fire me on whatever reason they deem necessary. They are men of faith, according to God's word, who are above reproach, who attend Life Church regularly and are involved in the ministries of Life Church and are members in good standing that serve. As a board, there are five of them and they serve and I am accountable to them from everything from a credit card receipt to what I preach on the pulpit, on the platform to how I live my life. And also I'm credentialed as an ordained minister with a fellowship that if I go away from God's word and become heretical or my lifestyle is not aligned up with God's word and it becomes apparent, they have the ability to come in and take my credentials. Why am I saying this? Because the reality is, is that it's, there's a lot of guys and gals out there that are of authority, but they're not under authority. Blasphemous. They blaspheme the glorious ones, verses 8 and 9. So they're just blasphemous in how they re- react. There's, there's really no regard of anything that's super or anything supernatural. They lack understanding, verse 10 says. These are individuals who they lack understanding. They, 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 the, the next thing is they follow subjective feelings over God's objective word. This is how I feel, this is what I think, this is what's happening in our society. Maybe, maybe they had it wrong in the Bible, maybe we're now the enlightened ones. What's interesting is Judas talking about issues. This book was written 2,000 years ago. It's the same stuff today. Why, because it's people, it's humanity. They're greedy, they're greedy. He gives the examples of Cain and Balaam and Korah. These are all people who rebelled against God because of their own greed. I love the Sons of Korah story in the Old Testament. I don't have time to go to that, but it's a great story. They're deceptively destructive. He uses the word in verse 12, hidden reefs. They're very deceptive. It's all about them. It's kind of almost like a Ponzi scheme. They're they're very self-centered. They're shepherds feeding themselves. Shepherds are not there to feed themselves. Shepherds are there to feed the sheep. Amen. I have a responsibility to you as a pastor to feed you God's word. Hot and fresh, John, John chapter seven, Jesus is the bread of life. It's my responsibility to serve up Jesus Christ every week, hot and fresh. And so that's the responsibility. And, but, but this is saying that they're just feeding themselves. It's all about themselves. It's not about you, it's all about themselves. And ultimately they're unproductive. They're waterless clouds, fruitless trees, wild waves, and wandering stars. They look good, sound good, could produce, but they don't really do anything. So what does he say to do? He says, hey, beware of this false teaching that's dangerous, so seek the truth. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, God's word, then you're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, God's word, and the truth will set you free. Again, it all goes back to God's word, God's word, God's word, God's word. We lean so heavily on God's word that if it were to move, we would fall. Third and final statement. God's judgment is certain, so seek grace. God's judgment is certain, so seek grace. Jude 14 and 15. It is also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones. To execute the judgment on all and to convict all of the ungodly for their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. We have two options, Jude says judgment or grace. Judgment or grace. And you can go, that's really harsh. Yeah, but it's true. We're all going to stand before God and give an account for our life, whether we accept him or reject him. And ultimately, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, period. The question is, are you going to receive the grace, the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God in your life that will wash your sins away? Because your sins are taken away not because of yourself or not because of your actions, but because of your faith in Jesus Christ, period. Period. Or are you just going to go, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm I'm going to be like one of these that I'm going to just bow my back against God. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to say what I want to say and live the way I want to live. The choice is yours. If you're not a Christ follower today and you're seeking truth, the choice is yours. You can either go, you know what? I don't really know that I believe in Jesus. And I don't really know that I believe the God of the Bible. But I really don't know. And I just kind of want to reject that. I'm going to kind of go do what I want to do. The choice is yours. Your choice. I'm just a messenger. I'm just telling you that you can receive grace. You can receive forgiveness of your sins and know that you can be in right relationship with God the Father so that if you were to die right now and stand before God and he were to say, why should I let you into heaven? You'd be able to say, because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your son. I, the blood of Jesus Christ has washed my sins away. Not because of my perfection, not because of anything I've done, but because I believe in your one and only son, Jesus. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in Jesus would not die, would not perish, but would have eternal and everlasting life. That's why. And there's no other way to get to the Father but through the Son Jesus Christ. If being good we're going to, going to save you, we just all go be good. If any road leads to God, you could be. You could follow Muhammad. You could follow teachings of of Buddhism and Confucius. You you could follow teachings of, of, of enlightenment. You could do all of these things. If that's how you'd get to God, then just let everybody do what they want to do. But no, it's, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There is coming a day when we will all stand before God on our own and we'll give an account for our lives. Well, that's scary. It should be scary. That, that's kind of sobering. It should be sobering. The good news is, is that you know that. The good news is, is that you live in a place where you get to hear that. The good news is, is that God did not create you to be a rock'em sock'em robot. He, he gave you a brain and a volition and a will. And you can choose to love him and to serve him and let his grace, which is more than enough, take your sins away. And even if you stumble, and even if you fall, and even if you struggle, He is still gracious to forgive you. He's still gracious as you're trying to pursue to be more like Him. He's still gracious, but it should drive you. It should make you think of your actions. It should make you think of your thought life. It should challenge you in ways that nobody else knows but on the inside. And there's sometimes people go, don't put that on me, that's shame. No, what's shaming you is your sin. What's shaming you is the enemy of of, of God Himself. What's shaming you is Satan, the one that's out there trying to break you down and make you. You some weak snowflake calling this mental health stuff this and that and you can't do this and that and you just, just and don't shame me, and don't put that on me. No, that's shame. Jesus says, I'll take all of that away. I'll give you a new mind. I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new lease on life. You will be bold. You will go where no man has gone before. You will do greater things than I've done because I'll go before you and I will never leave you nor forsake you even to the end of the world. I will walk with you and I will be your strength and I will be your guide and you can have hope that passes understanding. You can have peace that no one else can can deny. You can have joy in the middle of your sorrows. Woo! Amen. So don't tell me that it's just judgy. No, I'm telling you truth so you don't die in your sins. I'm telling you truth because there is one who wants to walk alongside you. I'm telling you truth because I do believe that mental health and emotional health is important, but the way that we are trying to go about it in our world is this humanistic way of taking care of ourselves. And folks, we can't take care of us. There's only one and his name is Jesus. So if you're seeking grace, ask yourself two questions on what matters to my thoughts or my opinions, or my feelings fail to align with God's word. It's a great question. Where do I read scripture and go, I don't know that I really believe that. And, and qu- same question is, am I listening to or following people whose teachings fail to align with God's word? I don't care what preacher so-and-so says. I don't care what podcast so-and-so says. I don't care what the latest book says. What does God's word say? Because His word is what will never pass away. His word is what will stand. His word is a standard that we are living our life against. The day of easy Christian living in America is over. Just telling you, I don't like that. The day of Christian living in America is over? No. The day of easy. Just everybody goes to church and everybody loves Jesus and everybody thinks the same thing you do and everything, no, no, no. If you're going to follow Jesus today, you're gonna have to make a decision to be alert. You're gonna have to make a decision to be aware. You're gonna have to make a decision to be active in your faith and the faith of your family. You're gonna have to find a Bible preaching and Bible living church, which is not easy to do. Because again, I preached a message last week. And I got positive response, and I got negative response. And that's okay, because here's the deal is, I live for the audience of one. If I lived and died on your applause, I would be a very jacked up individual. I would be what Jude's talking about, selfless, selfish, all about me. I'd be a self-feeding shepherd. The truth of the matter is, is God, I'm gonna be faithful to your word. I'm gonna endeavor to live my life according to your word. And I'm not perfect, I sin. But when I sin, I'm gonna ask you to forgive me. I'm gonna make adjustments and I'm gonna move forward. But I'm going to, to not be derelict in my responsibilities to preach your word. So just because they're a church doesn't mean they're always preaching the Bible. Just because they say they believe it doesn't mean they're always living. Find a Bible preaching, a Bible living local church and get rooted in that church. Get your family rooted in that church. What do you mean by that? I'm so glad you asked that question. Attend regularly. This is where we're gonna go to church. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, as Joshua would say. At Life Church, go through Life Track. Get involved. So find out about the church and how do I do that? Super simple. If you want have questions about Life Track today, you literally can check a box on the card and, and we'll get you all the information, or you can see someone as you walk out into the foyer right underneath the screens, right there to help you. Find a place to serve. Find a place to serve. Get rooted in that church. Find a life group where you'll be able to do life with people, where you're not just a person of authority, but you're a person under authority. Get your family in church. Well, my kids, no, 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 no. If they live under your roof, if they're on your payroll, they're your employee, amen? Mm, Don't shout. Parents, I gave you a really good time to go, that's right. So here's the deal. You won't live anywhere else. You can do what you want to do. But if you're going to live here, there's a couple basic rules. And one of them is we're going to go to church. This is what we're going to do. I don't know if I can say that to my kids. Bring me over to your house. I'll say it to your kids. Okay, anyhow. (laughs) Commit to a daily devotion. Again, I would just soak. Scripture, observation, application, prayer every day. Two chapters a day. What's it saying to me and how do I do that? Get rooted and get your family rooted in a local church. This is your church this week, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. We got revival services right here. What does that mean? 6.30, there'll be worship for about 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. I don't know how crazy Nando wants to take it. There'll be a guest speaker. Every night, a man's gonna come and gonna give a, a word from God's word. About half an hour, 35 minutes, like we typically do. And then we're going to go to altars. So if you've got to be, you only got an hour and a half, no problem. You want to stay and linger longer? No problem. There's no formal dismissal. There's no special offering, right? This is, this is about us just saying, God, I want to get, I want to push in more. I want to know more. I, I, want, I, want, I want to pursue what it means to be godly, even the more. Well, I can't come all three nights. Great. Come when you can. Kids have stuff. No problem. Come when you can. I'm going to bring the kids in and they they got a ball practice. Great. That's okay. No problem. I I work out at the gym and then I'll be done at six. Great. Come in your sweat clothes. I don't care. I don't care how you come. I just say, if this house is full and, and God's word is being preached and heaven will fill this place and God will do something amazing in your life. Amen. Just real simple. So what happens if five people show up tomorrow night? That's okay. I've done my, my job. Again, it doesn't matter to me if five or 500 or 5,000 show up tomorrow. Where two or more are gathered together in Jesus' name, there he is in the midst. Period. Period. No cap. That's how it is. I want to pray today. And I just want you to think and process, where am I? Am I seeking grace or am I choosing to live under the judgment of God? Am I seeking truth or am I just allowing for false teaching to tell me what I want to hear? Am I seeking godliness in my life and just paying really light on sin? I'm not your judge. I'm just the messenger. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word. And I ask you in these few moments that you, O Lord, would just minister to our hearts. That you, Father, would just speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, convict us of sin and lead us into truth. If anything that I've said today has been errant or out of bounds or not consistent with your word, let it be passed away. But, oh, Father, I pray, Lord, of what I have said today that's truth, that's consistent and integral with your word, I pray let it ring in our head and in our hearts today. I pray, Holy Spirit, do a work in us that I have not the ability to do, but only you can do. Holy Spirit, drive us to what you want us to do, what you want us to be. Help us to be a a church that loves Jesus with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loves our neighbor, those outside the church, as we love ourselves. It's not an either or, it's a both and. It's holding this paradox, these seeming opposites at the same way You said, Lord, in your word, that if we would do that, if we would love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that we love our neighbors, we love ourselves, that we would fulfill the entire canon of Scripture. Are we doing that today, Lord? Show us where we're not. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.